Welcome everybody from all around the world. Welcome to this podcast. Escaping the entanglements of our lives. You got yours and I've got mine. I'm your host, I'm Dolphus G. I'm the originator and the creator of this podcast. Now how lies yours and mine are easily entangled with things, both real and imaginary, malignant and benign. But the thing is, People all around the world do not realize, at least some of them, that they are entangled in a web of entanglements. And these entanglements could be what's keeping you back, if anything is keeping you back. What's keeping you up, if anything is keeping you up. But whatever these entanglements are doing, I maintain that we can escape our entanglements. This escape is good for us mentally and maybe physically too. Of course, no one can live a life that is absolutely stress-free. <laughs> we all have stresses. But we do not have to drown and wallow in the mess. Yes, escaping our entanglements is possible. If you're following me, you know that this podcast is my method of dealing with one of the major entanglements of my life. And it is quite, quite, quite successfully, I should say. I'm having fun. And that's one thing about the entanglements. You want to have some fun. But as the walrus said, the time has come. Yes, my friends all around the world, the time has come for the reading of the word. Episode one, chapter one, part two. A youth, useless search for an unknown yard. My day finished out successfully if one calls a come-to-your-senses moment a success. When I left the bus stop bench in search of a place beyond the eyes of the law, I eventually found a dumpster in a dark back street alley. The dumpster contained cardboard boxes. I scratched out on a pallet of cardboard 
and drifted off to a sound sleep. Daylight woke me up, and I went searching for the yard. Excuse me, I am looking for a place called the yard. Do you know where it is? No one I encountered had a hint of what I meant about the yard. My description of it as a place where trains parked and waited led several people to direct me to an Amtrak station. I left the Amtrak station disappointed and resumed my quest for the yard. After walking many blocks, I spotted a crowd of people standing and waiting for a bus at a stop that resembled the one at which I had slept. The bench was totally occupied. A double-digit crowd of people stood waiting for the bus. But I noted a man who stood apart from those who waited. He looked grungy. He stood in one spot. He held a tin can in his hand, which he shook as he spoke out to people who walked past him. Spare change? Can you help me with a little spare change? A nickel? A quarter? A dime or a penny. I'm hungry. I'm trying to get something to eat. Spare change. I had seen many more men like him in Miami. They were called panhandles by police officers who looked the other way while the panhandlers pleaded hunger to the public and partitioned from them whatever funds they could spare. Even the last little coins in their pocket would help in the suppression of their hunger. But all the panhandles I encountered on the streets of Miami engaged in the practice strictly for money to buy dope. But in him, I saw a ray of hope. I hurried to where he stood. I spoke cautiously like I did not want our conversations to be overheard. Excuse me, brother, but you look hip to the happenings around here. I am fresh from Miami. Where do I go if I want some fast action? You know what I mean? The man smiled and stopped shaking the can. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean, the man said. You'll find all the action you can handle once you step across 110th Street. The crossing of the street led me into a beehive 
of illicit behavior. It buzzed in the air like bees. Suddenly, I felt like I was back on the streets in Miami. I was accosted by young drug dealers who flashed pieces of crack cocaine in their palms as soon as I walked past where they stood. I asked each seller that accosted me if they knew the whereabouts of the yard. No one could help me, nor could I help them. Yes, the pieces in their palm looked intriguing, but I felt the strength of their lure had weakening. However, since I had no money, I was not put under any pressure. I continued to inquire of anyone I saw whom I suspected might know the whereabouts of the yard. I soon spotted an old man who reminded me of myself, not only as I was, but as I felt I was destined to become unless I made a drastic change. He did as I had done on the streets of Miami to support my addiction to crack cocaine. He stood over a trash barrel and peered down at the contents. Near him stood a shopping cart stuffed with cans. He reached down into the belly of the trash barrel, then threw out a can. He retrieved onto the sidewalk. He threw out a few more cans. I thought for a moment I gazed at an apparition. That was exactly how I funded my existence in Miami. Immediately, I saw I could do the same as I had done in Miami. I hurried towards the man with two goals in mind. First, to ask him about the location of the yard, and second, where did he sell his cans? He threw two more cans from the barrel onto the sidewalk. Excuse me, I called to him as he began to push off with the shopping cart. Have you ever heard tell of a place here in West Palm Beach called The Yard? A place where a lot of freight trains are parked? The man paused and looked like he was deep in thought. You know, I have lived here in West Palm Beach all my life. I'm 60 years old, and I have never heard tell of any place just called the yard. Now, I have seen freight trains pass through here, but none of those freight trains ever stop and park on the tracks. I swallowed another bitter pill of disappointment. I dropped my head, and suddenly my eyes stared straight at the collection of aluminum cans in his cart. They were flat, flatter than a stack of compressed pancakes. I marveled. 
I hurriedly told him I had collected cans in Miami, but I had never seen a shopping cart packed like that. His eyes grew bright, and he cast them upward before he turned his eyes to the shopping cart. He smiled warmly. All praise is due to God, not me. I only did what God told me. That's the secret to a peaceful existence. Do what God tells you. I peered at him closely, especially after his invocation of God. I had seen many men like him on the streets in Miami. They were called delusional or something worse. I had learned it was not wise to engage such men in their madness, but to move on as quick as possible. However, his surprising invocation of God into the lowly act of picking up cans intrigued me. I held up a finger. Wait a minute. Are you saying God told you to pick up cans? The man shook his head from side to side, but not in a negative manner. He smiled like he had digested the last words of a joke. Well, not exactly. I had picked up cans quite a while before God spoke to me. I felt uneasy as he focused his eyes on mine. What about you, young man? Who told you to pick up cans? I reflected and found no reason I could point to other than the survival on the streets demanded an income of some sort. How does one survive financially on the streets except from social services? religious charities, panhandling, thievery, or prostitution. Compared to the options open, picking up cans to sell suited my mindset and stirred within me a sense of freedom. Well, no one told me. I just saw someone doing it, saw it as a source of income, and started to do it myself. Uh, me too, the man said. I collected cans the same way as everyone else. Picked up every can I saw. But one morning as I started to make my rounds, I heard the voice of God. It sounded like thunder and lightning. The voice said, Ye shall be blessed, and I will increase your harvest, if ye gather up only the flatted cans. So I asked with puzzlement, you only pick up flatted cans? He nodded his head affirmatively like an apostle in full agreement. I won't pick up a can if it ain't flat. He glanced at the cans he had tossed from the trash barrel. 
I won't even pick those cans up. You can have them. Besides, I am done for the day. Then he looked at me with his eyes all aglow. I'm heading to the scrapyard right now. I'm going to get paid. I know I got a good $40 in this cart. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get one. And I know who got some fat ones too. I watched as he exerted effort to push the loaded shopping cart away. I thought, why not? I did not have any money, and I knew how to do it. I picked up the cans from the sidewalk and began to search for a shopping cart instead of the yard. I walked for miles and collected cans, even the flat ones, which in Miami I never bothered to pick up. I walked endlessly and relentlessly as I collected every can I saw. I filled the shopping cart, then stuffed those cans into a trash bag and filled the belly of the shopping cart again. I did that three times. Then I found my way to the scrap, scrap yard where I walked away with $15 in my hand. Now, as the sun was on its way down, I sat at a picnic table in a public park beat to my socks. Very tired, but a little wiser about my present predicament. I would return to Miami. I had failed to find the yard, but this failure had set me free. I would not run like a coward from my addictions to crack cocaine. Instead, I would ram it head on, ram it to smithereens. And the joy of the journey back was I didn't have to walk. I had earned enough money from the sale of cans to purchase transient bus tickets all the way back to Miami. I sat like a success, peacefully at the picnic table with a return to my senses. And with that, we have reached the end of our first Episode, I took a freight train to be my friend. I invite everyone to join us again next week for another reading of the word. Until then, this is Dolphus Q. So long, everybody. <laughs>